Dodson. Dodson. We've got Dodson here. Just went and made a new dinosaur. That doesn't look very scary. You are alive. I stopped to eat you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a bonus episode of the Jurassic Park podcast. Yes, we have returned and we have released two episodes this week so if you did not hear our main episode make sure to go back catch up with everything that's been happening while we've been away on hiatus but in this bonus episode we will be discussing everything that we learned about the upcoming jurassic world live tour from feld entertainment and um you know in this episode this is not the the recording itself we recorded um, a full segment, uh, almost an hour long for you guys. Um, I brought on my buddy Tall, aka the Traveling Clat. You know him over on YouTube. He's a contributor here on the podcast with the Guess That Dino segment. Um, I think he's only had one segment on so far, but um, we have another one in the bank and more to come in the future. He is a big lover of dinosaurs, and um, I love having him be a part of the podcast. And of course, you know, going out to New York to cover uh, the Feld Entertainment stuff for Jurassic World Live Tour. We had a great time meeting up, and of course meeting up with uh, Chris Pugh, Jennifer Tarek, and Josh Evans. Um, So we're going to dive into that conversation with Tal here in a second. But um, I just wanted to say it was an amazing event. We got to go out there to a, uh, a studio space where there was so much stuff, so much Jurassic just like, you know, just everywhere in the room. It was incredible to be a part of. So fantastic to be invited to that. Feld Entertainment, thank you guys so much. I can't say it enough. You guys have really treated um, the fan base and the community and the the people who you know spit the information out there to the fan base, like us and Jurassic Outpost. You've treated us super well, and we really, really appreciate that. Um, and uh, continue to uh, work together in the future, and I'm very, very excited about that and all the, the future coverage that we will have for Jurassic World Live Tour. If you do go over to our YouTube page right now, you will find, in a, I think, in a great video. Um, I mean, I made it, but I think it's a great video along with Tall. He he did a lot of the filming as well. Um, so check out that video because we cover um, a lot of the great stuff that's out there um, as far as what we, what we were able to show you guys um, for this show. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We spoke with the directors and the associate producer. So check out that video over on YouTube. Give it a like, share it, spread it around, subscribe to the podcast, hit that notification bell. This is my YouTube spiel, um, but go do it anyway because I think we've got some great content over there and we will certainly be showcasing Jurassic World live tour a ton in the future. We have um, a lot of quick hit interviews with people throughout the uh, the studio space there, and we have a lot more, um, you know, bigger segments with little, um, you know, uh, showcases of different, you know, segments of the show. So make sure to keep your eyes peeled for all of our content over on YouTube. That will probably be the main source of coverage for Jurassic World Live Tour outside of you know this discussion and future discussions on the show. But without further ado. Let's head into our conversation. Verizon Wireless presents the Indominus Rex. Oh, that is so terrible. You know, you have your own segment and everything, but this is the first time we've recorded. The other day was the first time we actually met each other in real life. And the the thing that's always awesome about that is, um, you know, it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't like feel any, any unnatural or anything like that. It just feels right, you know? 
yeah. meeting people that we talk to constantly online and all that stuff. It just it just works. So I was happy to meet you and to get started on all this awesome stuff that we're going to talk about. So, um, you know, when I invited you out there to to come, you know, help me cover this thing, were you like pumped to learn? I guess about like uh, what we'd be seeing from the Jurassic World live tour. Oh yeah, I had heard like rumors about it, um, and then I think the night or so before, because I follow everybody that's really in the Jurassic Park podcast community, I was seeing kind of the um, promo images and videos circulating, and I got re- really pumped because I was like, "Oh my god, this is so cool!" Um, but also, I was like a little hesitant because I saw that um, uh, what's it called, the BBC Walking with Dinosaurs T Rex, and I was like, "No, what's going on with this?" Uh, so I was like kind of hesitant, kind of excited, but obviously getting invitation for something like that. Now that I live in New York was like, yes, this is such a cool opportunity. (laughs) Yeah. And you, you brought up that, uh, promo image that, uh, they've been sharing around and it had a few different dinosaurs and things in there. And specifically that giant T-Rex from walking with the, with dinosaurs and also kind of transferred over to the Jurassic world exhibition and, I saw the exhibition and I thought it looked fine. You know, it didn't necessarily capture the T-Rex that we've all known and loved uh, for, for many years now. But, you know, maybe in a certain angle or a certain light, it it could have. But I, I was like, in a, a live arena setting, that T-Rex won't sell the story for me. So I think everybody was like a little upset when they saw that, right? Yeah, I think I think it's, a, it's very warranted because like, Arexi is our T-Rex, you know, mm-hmm. she's like our girl and we, we know her, we love her, we grew up with her. Um, you know, the, the franchise for me has been around ever since I was a kid. So I've literally grown up with her as a character in my life. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, I think seeing her in real life or as close as we can would be the equivalent of like being on set on a Jurassic film. Um, so yeah. I think that's what this live tour could do for kids is going to like really put them in, in the shoes of like seeing this T-Rex in real life. So that was one of those things that when we headed into this event, um, which I'll get to more of the details, but I just wanted to focus on this because you brought it up. Like that was one of those things we wanted to like find out right away. And pretty much like, you know, minutes I feel like into the event, we were like, okay, our minds are at ease. Like we can finally breathe easy because they confirmed <laughs> that the T-Rex will be, you know, scaled up model, like a CG model that they scaled up um, that they're, you know, carving out and however they make these things layering the skin on top it's a full animatronic like the first of its kind um i guess for you know for jurassic at least all the other ones like you know you have the animatronics out in universals and the different parks but they don't really capture the full you know essence of the t-rex and this thing will because it's going to be 43 uh feet long there was a bit of a discrepancy on the speed um we're going to try to you know, track down some information on that, but this T-Rex will interact with the audience. Um, it's gonna, you know, I guess like if there's kids in the crowd that are, you know, scared or moving around or something while the T-Rex is out, you guys know that the T-Rex's vision is based on movement, right? So that T-Rex is going to pan over and stare at these kids and it's going to, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah. I, I can't wait for that. Um, so, you know, taking it back now to the event itself, we, we did get invited out to this event and, you know, we didn't really know what to expect. That was one of our first questions is what's up with that Rex, but we didn't know what to expect, like what we'd be seeing and what we'd 
who do we be talking to and all that stuff. But um, they really, I, I guess, just blew it out of the park. And we we were like treated really well. Everybody there um, at Feld Entertainment is so kind and so knowledgeable about everything going on with Jurassic World and the, the, the franchise as a whole and the direction of the franchise. So it was great to see that this show is really in good hands, right? Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, coming from my background, like in YouTube videos as a full-time job, I work with a lot of companies and, you know, I go to a lot of press events and things like that. And the they were so over the top accommodating and like making sure that we were able to capture everything, get the images that we want, get the information that we want. It, it, I felt very welcome the entire event. And that was a really, really great feeling. Yeah, you're you're. You're right. It was a good feeling. And that that's something that we've always wanted, I think, from uh, the the powers that be. We kind of want to be heard and be felt as a fan community. And this, you know, Feld Entertainment is really doing that for us. And that is something we we never expected. We never um, I'll have to, we'll get to a lot of that stuff. We never expected the details and all the stuff that's going into the show. So I think they're really like, you know, just nailing it. So, uh, let's get into some of the first things that we saw. So we actually got to speak with the creative team, which was, uh, Chris Nobles. Uh, he's the associate producer, um, Dan Shipton and Ross Nicholson, who are the directors of the show. Um, so everybody there, they were great. They were sitting, they had like these nice director's chairs up there. Um, there was also like a giant model of the set and things that you'll see on the stage as you're watching the show. Um, so they were all really, really cool. Super informative as to, you know, the franchise, like I said. And also, obviously, they know everything about this show. And they were very forthcoming with the information. We're, we'll try not to spoil a lot of the details, like where the show's going and all that stuff, but uh, we'll give you as much as we can. So um, they've been working on this show over the past like two years and have worked specifically with people like Frank Marshall, Colin Trevorrow, and Steven Spielberg. Um, so I was I was very thrilled to hear that there is you know the powers that be like Frank Marshall's Colin and and Steven like you know having their input on this show. I think that'll you know help out in the long run. Yeah, it really feels like they kind of had the torch passed down down, down to them mm-hmm. um, to create this show from, you know, the higher ups who are bringing our dreams to like reality in the cinema. And it was kind of like they've handed them this torch and said, all right, go make this a reality for people, you know, coming to see it live. Go forth and make this like as great and as grandiose and don't hold back. Like, <laughs> no strings, no nothing. Go out and make this a real Jurassic experience. And I think that that's kind of what we have in store in this event. I'm like so excited after going there and seeing that and speaking to them in person. Yeah. And and they made a, a big point to say that this is all going to be within canon. So, you know, that's why they spoke with all those people to make sure that this fits within the story that we know and love. Um, And one of the notes from Spielberg that they kept mentioning was like, they really wanted to capture the humor of Jurassic, um, which I know a lot of people are like, what humor? What are you talking about? It's dinosaurs eating things and, you know, know, stuff blowing up (laughs) nowadays. But there is so much humor in the franchise. And it's something that I've always keyed into. Have you been like in touch with the humor of this franchise? Oh, yeah. I mean, even from the first movie, right? The Mm -hmm. like, there's countless moments. But I mean, to me, what points out the most is, um, is the Brachiosaurus sneeze scene. I think it's one of the funniest moments in the Jurassic Park franchise because it's so quirky and like kind of stupid and the CGI is not perfect in that moment. But you look at it, it's like such a classic (laughs) 
you know, Jurassic moment. So I think yeah. anything that they do like that and bring it to like a live audience could be so, so incredible. Yeah, I'm excited to see that. Um, and they like one of the questions we also had going in was, who is this show for? You know, is it for adults? Is it for kids? Because when you look at some of the back catalog of Feld Entertainment, you're like, well, I mean, they have like the big monster truck shows. They have <clears throat> the Disney's on ice. So it's like, what are we going to get from uh, a Jurassic live show? And their, their, their answer was basically like, if you would let your kids watch Jurassic Park, this should be for them, you know? So if they're, if they're comfortable watching dinosaurs rip people apart at times, um, you know, <laughs> lots of explosions and, and dark scenarios and stuff, but also some, some humor and some light stuff. So I think if, you, if your kids are safe to watch these movies and will not be, you know, screaming their head off, being scared and all that stuff, I think it should be safe for them. When I, I, that's, that's the idea that they seem to get across. I think that's definitely the vibe that I, I got from them. I think that like after speaking to everybody there, the general consensus that I gathered from it was that I think as a Jurassic fan, this is like a very necessary thing for you to go and watch because it, it's going to kind of fill in some gaps in a story and give you like, it's going to widen that universe. And it seems like they're not going to hold back. And I remember specifically when we, we spoke to some of them, I don't, I don't remember who exactly, but we were kind of joking around about the humor that that's an element. And then we were joking around about, how that it's necessary to have explosions and cool <laughs> stunts and stuff like that. And they were very much like, this is going to be a Jurassic experience. Like no, nothing held back. So I yeah. think it'll be a very necessary experience for anybody who's in love with this franchise. And of course the, the number one thing that we all love about the franchise is the dinosaurs, right? So they, they made mention. The dinosaurs. That, yeah. There's, there's seven different species um, of which are, would be a velociraptor. So we'll see blue. Um, we will see other raptors as well. Um, there's obviously the T-Rex, which we talked about um, the iconic T-Rex. Uh, you'll have the Indominus Rex um, you'll have stegosaurus, so there's going to be the adult stegosaurus and also a baby stego. Um, and then you'll also have a triceratops and the troodon, which is a brand new addition to canon. Um, I know the troodon has, has existed in the past, whether it was you know mentioned in a book or in a video game. This is the incarnation that is canon, at least. Um, and we'll also have the pteranodons. Um, hanging up in the ceiling somehow in the rafters. I'm sure they'll kind of come down and swoop down or something like that. So that'll be cool. Um, but uh, apparently, so out of those seven different species, there is uh, 24 dinosaurs total. So, you know, multiples of those dinosaurs. So which one, I don't know. I, I, I don't know which one I'm more excited to see. I guess the T-Rex would have to be my most um, anticipated one just because we haven't really seen what it looks like. We got to see Blue. We got to see the Troodon. Um, what What is your favorite or most excited thing to see, I guess, out of these dinosaurs? So for me, I'm kind of like, I actually, Brad, I've been thinking about this a lot, my man. I've like, I've been going back and forth in my head. Like, what, what do I want to see out of this? So I think for one, they had mentioned at some point in the show, there's going to be like a scene or something that's going to be up in the air. So I'm excited to see how they tie in the pteranodons to that point in time um because from what we saw in kind of the set the pteranodons were just hanging um by the rafters like you mentioned so i'm excited to see if these things are going to be moving or if it's going to be more of like an illusion or a projector um so i'm very excited to see how they make that happen like dinosaurs or not dinosaurs but prehistoric reptiles in the air 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I think second to that, I'm just in love with the uh, Lost World baby Stegosaurus from that movie. Oh, so yeah. if that baby Stego looks anywhere near the uh, the one from the Lost World, it's going to capture my heart and be my favorite thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that I was I was kind of happy to see actually is that there's going to be no characters that we're used to seeing um, outside of, you know, the dinosaurs. Um, So we're not going to be seeing the Owens, the Claire's stuff like that. So I was kind of happy about that. What about you? I think so too. I think I'm I'm very excited because as we were talking during the event, I think that it's just going to help widen that universe even more and just make the Jurassic world that we now kind of live in even bigger and and more expansive. So I'm very excited for the fact that there's no repeats. I also don't think it's very necessary that we need to see more of Owen or more of Claire or um, any of the characters that we already know, because we, I feel like we know so much about them already. So I'm, I'm definitely excited for more characters to be in this universe. Yeah, me too. I think, you know, we will talk about some other aspects in a little bit of expanding stuff, but expanding the characters specifically is a great thing. It's always good to add like main characters and these will, you know, be main characters because um, one of them is Kate Walker. Um, I'm really excited about Kate's addition to this franchise um there's other people uh throughout there like acu members there there will be a villain um and there's going to be ingen uh mercenaries and stuff like that so there's a whole lot going on in this show and i can't wait to dive into those details um so but yeah i am very excited about them expanding uh the the repertoire of people that we're we're used to talking about um so why don't we just kind of I guess maybe dive into the story a little bit and what is going on with this show because there is quite a bit, I think, to talk about and, and it makes me very, very excited about the future of this podcast and and what we'll be talking about because it's a canon story. So it should, you know, matter just as much as some of the other stories. Maybe not, maybe not matter as much, but it should matter and it should be something that we'll be talking about for a long time. Um, so... This, the show is going to be starting off as Jurassic World is about to downfall and stuff like that. So we're, we're all the way back in 2015 where the IREX breaks out and destroys the island. And it's, it's kind of coinciding with that. So there's a lot of stuff going on on Isla Nublar that we just don't know about, which I think is fantastic. We've always wondered about that. What's happening over here to the left or what's happening over here to the right? Just, you know, outside of the camera's viewpoint, which I think is a, an amazing thing to finally get a different point of view. So we'll be seeing the downfall through other people's eyes and, uh, I guess other experiences and and stuff that's happening on this island. So, um, was that a, a big surprise to you when you learned that? Yeah, it's so exciting. I think the um, the big thing for me, Jurassic World, with kind of the fall of Jurassic World, is when the Pteranodons and Dimorphodons are attacking Main Street, um, and it's like it's just all this chaos is going on. I'm wondering like what the quieter part of the island looks like at that moment. Like what's happening. I don't know, maybe like 25 miles east of there. You know, like who who's doing what? What if someone's on a tour? Like what is happening? Um, so <laughs> I'm so excited to see if they kind of implement stuff like that. Yeah, so I guess there's going to be a lot of experimentation and different stuff like that because 
the big thing, the the main, I guess, thread point of this show is the the Troodon. And it's a very intellectual dinosaur. And that's a fact. Like, we, we know that about this dinosaur. Um, and they particularly named this one Genie because... The dinosaur is a genius, so it's slightly <laughs> on the nose there, but I like it. It's fun. Um, and what they're trying to do is actually now, now, like, stay with me here. Stay with me. I know it might stray a little bit for some of the hardcore fans out there, but they're using a, a dino decoder. This is what they're they're going to use to translate dinosaur emotions. Um, but it sounds silly, maybe on paper or saying it out loud like that, but. I think it's pretty interesting because what they're going to do is they're going to understand the the dinosaur's emotions, understand the feelings, just so that they can ultimately use it to kind of do the same thing that Owen is doing from a different point of view. So Owen is out there training these dinosaurs um, to be a specific way. So he's all about the behavior of the dinosaurs. Now, Kate Walker is all about the emotions of the dinosaurs, their feelings. Um, so if you have a very intellectual dinosaur... What can you learn from that with the emotions and the feelings? And how can you harness that along with the behavior into something much more powerful, which ultimately will be the the usage of weapons and, and, and stuff like that that we've seen and heard in the Jurassic World movies. So wh- what did you think about that on when they said it out loud? Was it something you're like, hmm, that's interesting or that's weird? Like, I- I'd like to know what you thought as well. So, I mean, for me, it's conflicting, right? Because the the more forward we go in this Jurassic universe, like Jurassic World, we're starting to really, at least I feel, with some of the dinosaurs, disconnect the viciousness of, of what they are. And for one, I mean, seeing Jeannie in person and knowing what she is and what she stands for in this show, um, as much as they try to sell her as a wild animal, it's going to be really hard for at least an adult to see her as anything more than blue. And now that that being said, it's not a bad thing by any means, but when... I do any sort of studying on paleontology or learning about dinosaurs. The Troodon was really an incredible predator. Um, at least that's what most paleontologists think. And it was a very smart, vicious animal um, that had a lot of you know different evolutionary uh, developments in its body that helped make it a really strong and uh, you know intelligent predator back in the day. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's it's going to be interesting seeing basically the animal not stripped away from that, but created into more of like a character but i really think at the end of the day that's where we're heading with jurassic in general is that um the audience needs to start opening its mind more to the idea that these dinosaurs are becoming actual characters in our lives like blue for so much is for so many people is just a loved character and we see her so much as just a character not just a velociraptor so mm-hmm. i'm 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 cool with it and i'm open to it i'm, I'm kind of excited to see where it goes um, and it'd be cool to see if, I don't know, as wild as crazy as it seems, maybe in the future this turns into us taming a Mosasaurus or a Brachiosaurus or an Apatosaurus. And it goes to totally different places that we would have never thought of. Yeah, I had um, an interesting conversation with Clayton Fioriti on his uh, YouTube channel about this situation here and kind of like narrowed it down to like, what if this... Um, if, if we're going to talk about how maybe how this interlaces with the future of the franchise, how does that intellectual, um, emotional attachment and feelings of the dinosaurs play into the future of the franchise? Because if Colin and Frank Marshall and Steven are a part of this concept 
and you know directing the vision of it maybe like how does that play into the future so me and Clayton were talking about you know my dream idea of the ending of of Jurassic World 3 is if if Owen dies and we get to see Blue's reaction to Owen dying instead of the other way around because everybody would be like oh Owen's going to or Blue's going to die and Owen's going to have to watch or whatever wait what did i just say yeah um that was right <laughs> i'm getting confused here but imagine in a world where or Owen dies and Blue has to watch this so now we've got the baseline for dinosaur emotions and their feelings and then we see it play out in in the third element here with you know, Owen dying and Blue witnessing it, we understand the emotion and the feeling of that dinosaur. I thought that would be a, a great way to kind of tie it into uh, the canon and all that. I think that would be really cool. It'll definitely be, if that's something that they go into, it'll definitely be like a very impactful part of the journey for us. And mm-hmm. I mean, if if it ever turns into anything in the future, big if, it's yeah, just like <laughs> that's that's gonna you know that's just gonna add on to the character development, which I think. No harm, no foul done there. I would be excited to see something like that. But yeah. Never know. So this show will feature many different... I guess there's going to be some time jumps, um, also different locations. There should be four um, different points in this show. So we'll, I think I think there's only three locations, but four um, scenes or sets. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited about that. And one of them is, is Chile. And they're going to be going down so there exciting. to, yeah, man, to an InGen uh, base in Chile that is probably mostly set on, you know, on doing the same thing as understanding these dinosaurs' emotions, you know, um, using that dino decoder if they get their hands on it for evil purposes. Um, so we're going to be having some evil mercenary soldiers out there. And we got a good look at, like, the concept arts and, and stuff like that for these InGen soldiers and I loved it, man. I thought it looked fantastic. It was very reminiscent of the soldiers that we saw in Jurassic World um, that showed up on the helicopter. You know, Vic Hoskins' crew that kind of just came in towards the end of the movie. Uh, is that the vibe that you were picking up from those uh, concepts uh, works there? Definitely. I think for me, it's like I love the island. Obviously, it's the Nublar and you know Sorna are, are amazing places that we're all really interested in, but. You know, we we have seen five movies that have all involved them in some capacity. So, the more we get to travel <laughs> in the Jurassic universe, the more the happier I am. You know, if we get to see a dinosaur in Chile, that would be so freaking awesome. I would be so excited for that. Well, and I mean, also, well, go ahead, yeah, finish your. Uh... Sorry. <laughs> also, yeah, speaking to some of the uh, the crew that were working there, we were talking to them about why they chose Chile specifically. And some of them had mentioned that they were planning on doing some of it in Siberia, but they couldn't really figure out a logical way for them to get from, you know, Siberia to Isla Nublar. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they would like <laughs> they planned on finding a place that was more realistic. And it's so cool just to see the the sheer thought process behind everything. It's really like the production of a movie um, with this show. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It does kind of tie into that a lot. I mean, we've always heard rumors about Siberia being a, a location for an InGen base or something like that. Another company, something out there with dinosaurs. But uh, to find out that Chile now plays a part in that is is fantastic. And, and like you said, new locations are always welcome here. I, I just love you know, different environments and specifically environments that now have dinosaurs at them. So it's kind of like our confirmation here that that dinosaurs are already other places. 
right? So we just kind of thought, yeah, dude, that it, that blows my mind because we've always just thought, you know, these things are on the islands, and and then you know, well, I guess going back to San Diego, that was like. A, a huge moment dinosaur in in america and then in fallen kingdom now there's dinosaurs roaming, roaming around and some of those dinosaurs get shipped off to different locations but hey there's already some down in chile so like they're all over the place already and the yeah. potential for for havoc all over the world is pretty great i think at this point We've got a good forecast of more people getting chomped up by dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you uh, you made mention of like explosions and stuff like that before. Um, you know, anything like that could happen at any time. So there's, yeah, there's definitely the potential of dinosaurs getting out or doing whatever they do to cause, you know, disruptions. And so I, I'm excited to see where that storyline goes. That's going to be, I think, really interesting. Yeah, it would be really cool if they if they tied in, you know, any information on like dinosaurs that are off the island and just like give us a storyline for some of those dinosaurs as well or a continuation. Because then when we eventually watch Fallen Kingdom again and Jurassic World 3, it's like in the back of our minds, we can always remember that even if they kill off all the dinosaurs that we've seen that escape Lockwood Manor, there's still some out there. There is. <laughs> there's <yeah>. still some. <laughs> That's it's never why, really over. Yeah. Not to get too deep into Jurassic World 3, but that's why I'm like, I don't know where that story could go because it seems like dinosaurs are going to be everywhere. So how do you end that? Like, that just doesn't seem like it's endable at this point, you know? I I hope it never ends. (laughs) That's all I can say. (laughs) I know, know, right? Um, But uh, bringing it back to Jeannie, uh, the Trodon there, um, apparently she's going to be on stage for... A majority of this this show so they they made mention that there's almost um no point where she's not on stage so that's that's cool to know and they also talked about there being a very emotional arc with that character so oh man i am i'm excited to see because we we have no mention of genie or that division of you know scientists and stuff like that on nublar so um i don't know i'm very interested to see what happens from the end of the show and you know, how does it catch up to where we are in Fallen Kingdom and all that? So I think that'll be very interesting. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see specifically with this Trodon because, I mean, the Trodon that we know, it, this isn't the first instant of it existing in the Jurassic universe. Like we got it in the uh, in the Telltale game where it looked like a completely different animal. And then we got it again in the um, Jurassic World Evolution game where it also looks slightly different. And actually, when we me and Brad were together, um, standing in front of Genie, I was like, I wonder how the devs from Jurassic World Evolution would think about Genie because she looks so different than the Trodon in Jurassic World Evolution. Um, but I actually went back that day and referenced the Jurassic World Evolution counterpart, and they're actually not that different. So I don't know if they got inspiration from that, but Genie, like her mo- model as a Trodon and the one in the game, which is our most recent, you know, addition of the Trodon in the universe, they actually look fairly similar at least for the size maybe genie is just a little bit taller and her neck is a little longer or a little more s-shaped but they did a pretty dang good job like tying it into the universe like you could even be playing right now with your own genie in jurassic world evolution it's uh it's it's pretty it's pretty similar which i was really impressed by yeah i think it's a very interesting looking dinosaur Uh, maybe not right away does it feel like it it fits in um but i think when it's in the presence of 
amazing lighting, like the stage lighting and the stage props and set pieces and stuff like that. Um, if you specifically watch like the um, promo video that they actually shot just recently, it looks really, really good there. Like it looks amazing. I loved it in person, but like I think even under the lighting and stuff that they showed in the video, it looks really, really good. And I think it does does blend a lot better in that kind of situation. Um, and, you know, Feld Entertainment did a lot of research on their own to make sure that they got this dinosaur right. And they they did also work with NBC Universal's art department. So, you know, whether that art department also works with Jurassic World Evolution, I'm I'm sure they do because there is like a canon aspect. Not it's not canon, but a lot of the dinosaurs in there represent the canon counterparts. So I I think they did their best to make sure that there is a presence of continuity in some aspects. So one of the big major things that people are talking about is the um, the fact that there is no sickle claw on this dinosaur in the show. Um, now, this is a slight modification that they made to the feet because they didn't want any kind of tripping hazards and stuff like that with this the actor in there. Um, and I I have I can't say whether that's you know accurate or not or whether there was a real trip hazard there or not because Blue does have the sickle claw so. I don't know what the difference is between the Trodon and Blue, but there there must be some sort of difference there as far as trip hazards are concerned because that's what they were um, telling us at the at the event. So, um, is that something that bothers you in particular? Mm, not in the slightest, to be honest. Like the dinosaurs that we know and love in the Jurassic World universe are so different than their you know factual. Uh, mm-hmm. you know actual dinosaurs from science they're they're so different and we're always learning new things about dinosaurs so i think that you have to just go with the jurassic universe in like very open-minded way and not and remember that these dinosaurs are spliced with frog dna and were created in a fictional universe so honestly as long as they look like a dinosaur they roar like a dinosaur <laughs> they eat people like a dinosaur i'm happy <laughs> <laughs> there you go i love that mentality that's the way i tend to look at this universe is the dinosaur designs and stuff don't usually bother me unless it's something that really is outlandish maybe, but like I I don't really get bothered when things are different. Like the Sinoceratops Pachyrhinosaurus thing, that doesn't, it doesn't necessarily matter to me all that much. I know we like to talk about representation of the accurate dinosaur, like the real life version of that dinosaur, and kids are always learning you know, about these dinosaurs through the movies and stuff like that. But at the same time, you know, you shouldn't really use a a fictional account as your, you know, representation of learning about dinosaurs. So I, I'm okay with it being a little bit different, especially if it's to tr- uh, stop a trip hazard for the performer, because man, yes. these things are heavy. Like, oh yeah, we, uh, I got to wear like a vest that had a lot of weights in it and they put in 60 pounds on me and they're like, all right, how's that feel? Does that feel good? And they're, they're like, get in this crouch position and all that. And I'm like, all right, yeah, this feels good. He's like, that's half the weight. And it's like, <laughs> oh, oh, great. Like, I don't know how they do it because that's super heavy. And, you know, they have this, you know, and, and I'm sure it's, it's probably feels a lot different than that pack did because the weight is probably you know, dispersed a little bit differently with the long tails and the heads and the arms and all that stuff. So I can't imagine what they have to go through every night just to wear these suits, to practice in these suits. Um, It's really incredible. And we did get to meet with the stunt team um, 
and, and talk all about that. So they, we talked with the Dino Tears, is what they're called. So uh, Jane Shea is the creative and character development director, and David Dorsch uh, is the casting and training manager, and Jay Christensen is the head athletic trainer. So those guys, we all talked to them, and um, I got a, a great representation of like what they go through as far as um, you know physicality is concerned, and they really made a heavy impact in saying. These are athletes. They're not like they're not just straight up actors that walk and try out for something like this. They're they're athletic people that really can um, you know hone their craft to perform these tasks tasks um, every night that you know they have to do it. So I was blown away by all that. Yeah, I think it was so interesting just like being exposed to this world um, where it's they're so involved. There's so many complications, and they're just making it work. Um, I don't remember who it was that we spoke to, but there was at some point it was exchanged that this is like planning something like this in the big scheme of things. It feels impossible. It feels absolutely impossible, but they're doing it by just sheer, you know, uh, innovation to create these things. Like Dino Tears are not a new, new, new concept. It's been done before, but the way they're doing it for this show, they're like breaking all the barriers by adding super complex dinosaur costumes with electronics on the inside and you know different designs and the different weight distribution across the the um the different costumes so it was so interesting to kind of get a bit of an insight even though i don't think me and brad can ever really get (laughs) the full scope of it i think just getting a bit of an insight of what their day-to-day is in preparation for going on tour Mm -hmm. is just bananas it's so crazy yeah, and we we did get to speak with the casting director Jessica Ferris, and she was awesome. She really gave a good insight into um, what goes into uh, finding the right people for these Dino Tears and and the um, the other actors, the the human elements of the story as well. Um, basically, you know, the casting call had you know everybody out there in their athletic gear, like you know, trying to replicate dinosaurs. So one of the tasks that she had them do was basically put on a hand puppet and act like a dinosaur. And she wanted to kind of see what that interpretation was for every individual person. And they would actually play like sound clips of a raptor, like squealing and and hissing and doing all kinds of weird noises and walking around. And she just wanted to see how that actor interpreted that and, you know, how, how low they crouched or, you know, how they, they whipped their head around or, or bit or, you know, did all that crazy stuff. And they actually had, um, I know me and, and Chris Pugh from Jurassic Outpost actually did it. And it was pretty comical. I, I that, that footage is very embarrassing, I'm sure. <laughs> you guys put on a real show. People, people were loving Brad and Chris had like cameras, like uh, mobbing. It was like a paparazzi scene. It was pretty crazy. There was like a TV camera on them, and they're like, "Yeah, give me another roar, give me another roar." Yeah, yeah, bite the bite the lens, bite the lens. I was like, "All right, let me just bite it a little bit." It's so I was funny. Like, Whoa, I'm hanging out with a dinosaur celebrity. This is crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's funny because I have very similar little hand puppets and stuff like that, and I play with them with my kids. So. You know, I have a little history when it comes to dino tearing. <laughs> no, no, but it, it it is actually like when you watch them do it, you're like, okay, I can do that. But then when you put it on and there's all these people around you and you're thinking about what I have to do and how I replicate it, you're like, oh, this is not as easy because it's not just about moving your hand and all that. It's about like using your entire body to sell the story. 
And that's something you don't necessarily think about as a viewer of these shows. You're not you're not necessarily thinking about how the person under that suit is actually acting like a dinosaur. They're actually trying to replicate this in a certain way to make it believable because you know, the suits can do one thing. They can they can show you the dinosaur, but the actor is the person who makes you believe it's a dinosaur. So um, I was just really impressed by uh, the casting and the Dino Tears and all that. It was it was awesome to see them talk about it with such enthusiasm. Yeah, it, talking to her was specifically probably one of my favorite people that we spoke to there because she was just so enthusiastic about it all, so happy and excited to be there. And you could tell that she definitely puts in the work. She's she like puts in the hours to make this happen and to kind of train and motivate the people she's working with to make them real dinosaurs. But also, she loves it she is yeah. so into it yeah and she and that's what came off the most for me because i was like you gotta really love this you gotta really want to be a dinosaur to pull this off and she i think she's like the best captain for this ship she's steering them in the right direction and i think with with her work on this side of the project there, there's no way it won't succeed oh for sure yeah um one of the things i liked to hear kind of was that the script is locked in so the actors don't have to be up there like screaming their heads off to get the, you know, the lines across and all that. They can really focus on the task at hand and uh, because that's that's kind of impossible to do each and every night unless you're like, you know, uh, the people on Broadway just blow my mind because they're out there acting. And it's their own voices. They're singing every night. Um, that's just some crazy stuff. But these uh, scripts are all locked in. So what you hear is not going to be necessarily live. They will be acting it out, of course, and and most likely vocalizing it. But the, the, the sounds that you're hearing are all locked in, which gives them time to focus in on the stunts. And that was another aspect that, you know, we we learned about and um i was really impressed to find out all the different things like there's going to be fighting there's going to be high falls which was really cool to hear about um there will be motorcycles in the show so there's going to be some sort of motorcycle stunts i don't know what that means but i'm excited to see it um and there's also vehicles so you know aside from motorcycles we have the jeep we have um the gyrosphere there there's also a little like um golf cart like dino catcher things so if you imagine the um the thing that Zach and Gray were kind of uh, toying around with to get the battery out to use it for the Jeep in Jurassic World kind of picture that vehicle but with like a scoopy looking thing on the front to I guess catch dinosaurs or something like that um <laughs> so there's all kinds of vehicles there's flamethrowers I'm like is that a joke is that real like fire and explosions there's, there's fire <laughs> explosions and of fire course people explosions. getting eaten yeah, I I was just like that's that's crazy and you know that's the kind of stuff that you have to be careful with because this is a huge um you know moving parts show with dinosaur animatronics and people acting and dino- people acting in dinosaurs and f- apparently flamethrowers and explosions um so it's a lot to keep safe and they were very um telling when it comes to the safety of the show and making sure that you know there's like um you know, essentially like kill switches in, in some of these dinosaurs that need it. Um, so if something does go awry, um, they can just kind of stop it as it happens. And, you know, they seem to take all the precautions necessary to make sure that this is a very safe show for everybody because stunt work is very dangerous. I mean, you hear about all kinds of accidents all the time in Hollywood. So um, we don't want anything like that happening on stage. So they're, they're doing their best. So it sounds great. Um, and I think in regards to the um, the motorcycles, I mean, I don't know about you, Brad, but I think one thing that will translate really well over from the movie screen to 
kind of live action is a potential second raptor motorcycle run through the jungle <laughs> i think that can be pretty cool to see especially for kids um you know once again it's it's goofy it's funny but i think that's part of this show and i think part of the universe that we're in right now anyway so if there's any chance that we get another like raptor squad run through the jungle on a motorcycle i'll be very very happy yes and then that character that does it in this show needs to meet up with owen because it would remind me of that scene in fallen kingdom you know where you know franklin's terrified to go to the island and owen's just like yeah i rode my motorcycle through the jungle with a pack of raptors and he's like we're not compatible like imagine that but then this guy's like i did the exact same thing and they're like did we just become best friends yup like (laughs) jump high five batman little intro yeah (laughs) it pauses midair yeah (laughs) um so yeah i think that was um that, I think that's really a lot of what we learned. Um, let's see. I'm just going through my notes here. Yeah, I think that really covers about everything. Do you have anything else? Um, well, let me actually make mention here. Um, yeah, actually, no. We got a little bit more we could talk about. Um, we did meet with a behind-the-scenes guy. So Corey McCourt. Uh, was the project manager so he was basically showing off a lot of the different little props and the dinosaur skins and the like the stuff that they're using to build these dinosaurs um that was really really informative and that's i think where we learned about the t-rex and all that and that's where they have i'm sure you've seen that picture that i posted online a giant like stegosaurus adult head um they have like the feet of the of a t-rex that's kind of scaled down and then a raptor foot there so there is a there is a lot that goes into this a lot of time and effort into making these dinosaurs the t-rex is still not done and uh nobody has like seen the full representation of it but the way that you when you talk to these this guy specifically Corey, he was very um enthusiastic about what he does and he's basically like yeah i go back and and i i go back to the the, the studio and i'm like hey you know i i feel like i'm like you know, saying hi to her every night that I see her, like the T-Rex. Like, it felt like he had, like, a relationship, a personal, like, hey, you're, we're good buddies and stuff like that with these these dinosaurs. So I think he spends so much time with them that, like, he knows them personally and they feel alive to him and the rest of the crew. Um, a lot of people talked about, like, they feel real. They feel like they're alive, like we're buddies. And at the same time, I'm also like, oh my God, that's a real dinosaur. I'm kind of afraid at the same time. So (laughs) it's really cool to hear all the different takes on how these dinosaurs feel real to these people. I had loved also at some point I asked the question of like, how many iterations of these dinosaurs does it take to, you know, create the perfect mold? Because they basically, they they mold these things out and they bring them to like the highest bit of detail. They, they draft their skin. They make sure all the eye holes are good. Like everything needs to be perfect because it's a real production. Mm-hmm. And at some point there was an offhanded comment that there may potentially out there in the world be a dinosaur graveyard <laughs> <laughs> of just a bunch of like created parts that they have to throw out. So I might be starting a search at some point in this year <laughs> to find where they're throwing out all this trash. <laughs> God, you just assemble like your own hybrid creature out of like crazy dinosaur parts. Yeah, that would be <laughs> just hilarious. Just find a giant Indominus head <laughs> somewhere in the woods. 
Um, so I think like meeting with him was very cool and just getting a, a good, like in-depth look at all these things. Um, that was really cool. And, um, who else did we meet with? We met with the, the wardrobe department. So, uh, Donna, oh, Oak, they were awesome. Yeah. Donna Oak and, uh, Ken Mooney. Um, Donna is the senior director of costumes and Ken is the costume designer. Um, they were, yeah, they were very, very enthusiastic about the, the wardrobe and the costumes. Um, I loved talking with them and Ken was very insightful into, um, you know, what goes into these costumes. He made mention that, you know, none of the costumes are specifically tailored to resemble um, specific like people that we know from the franchise. But at the same time, they do feel like they're a part of the world and stuff like that. They don't feel like they're some random crazy thing that we've never seen before. Um, I, I made mention that, while they don't necessarily replicate them, they do have elements of some of the characters. So you can, like, it kind of makes it believable that they're all part of the same universe. Um, like, I, I saw elements of Franklin, and I saw elements of of Claire, and we did see a full ACU trooper outfit. So they worked with Universal to make sure that they brought the screen-accurate version of that, that ACU trooper outfit. So that was really cool. Yeah, I think it's going to be really awesome to be able to you know, going into this with a brand new story and all new characters and maybe some dinosaurs that we know, I think it's going to be really cool to have kind of that ACU as being our anchor, that ACU suit as something that we know to recognize, but the rest of the costumes, the rest of the wardrobe will be brand new, obviously with elements, like you've said, um, of different things. And also having them kind of like point out the different tourist costumes and stuff, is gonna, it's just going to make it seem like a very involved, um, you know, production. And it's going to be very diverse, I think, in, in the costumes because we got to see this whole wall of sketches that they had um, and kind of the evil character has a more of a serious business suit type thing. And then the the I think the main lead, she kind of has more of like a clear looking outfit. Mm-hmm. And then we have the ACU suit and uh, a bunch of Hawaiian clothes that they actually dressed me up in and then threw me into the Jeep, <laughs> <laughs> which is fun as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's going to be exciting to see the different diversity in wardrobe. I think it's going to be really awesome. Yeah, the uh, you made mention of the villain. His name is actually Doctor Bordoff, and he he's he's yeah, a man dressed in suits. Um, they 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 showcase like in the concept art like a blue suit or something like that. And uh, Ken talked about like at some point he designed like a giant parka for him, and it felt like natural because like that's the kind of character he is. And he also like talked about the the design itself that we saw on the wall which was like a bald guy and he's like that's just a vision that i had like i had that kind of vision um for the character and i was like well does that change your outlook on the character like how it how it turns out how you design your costuming and he's like it kind of does like it kind of changes things but also at the same time the actor really sells who the character is as well. So he didn't want to sell it short on the actor's part. But I think it was very interesting to hear like where he came from in terms of how these uh, costumes were designed. So that was that was really cool. And I think we made mention of it before. The Angen stuff was really cool to see. Um, I am so excited to see those. Yeah, it's just, you know, just helps expand that universe even more like we've spoken about. Yeah, so we we covered the wardrobe, behind the scenes, creative team casting, Dino Tears. And the last thing I want to kind of cover was there was a dinosaur meet and greet. Um, So we did get to see uh, Jeannie, and we saw Blue. um, And we also saw Madison Embry, who is the actress who's going to be playing Dr. Kate Walker, um, the main protagonist of the story. So 
Madison was was wonderful. Like she kind of ran this little presentation where she she talked about the show for a minute and then introduced Jeannie and then uh, Jeannie went away and then she talked a little bit about the show again and introduced Blue and then Blue shows up and she kind of had to corral a lot of the people there because it was a presentation, but it was also like a meet and greet. So, you know, you could kind of come up and take pictures with the dinosaurs and she was she was basically being Owen at at the beginning of Jurassic World, kind of like, you know, with her hands up, like, hey, hold off people, like not too many people at once. She's also wrangling the kids because there was a few kids there at times throughout the day. We were there for hours, by the way. So many, many groups were coming through. We saw this presentation several times and Madison was was flawless every time and, and really interacting with the kids very well, um, the other people and just like really playing the role. It was It was amazing and I loved watching that. Yeah, because we were there for so long, we saw. I think we saw it three or four times, (laughs) and (laughs) I didn't see her slip up a single time. She had nailed the presentation every single time. And I mean, this is not an easy task. This isn't like a movie where it's edited. This is live, and she has this, you know, giant robotic dinosaur walking around next to her, and the person in the suit can't see her perfectly. I'm assuming because the the camera in the suit's pointing forward, so it sometimes it almost kind of smacks her a little bit or smacks the, (laughs) the little Jurassic World display behind her. Yeah. And she like she went so well with everything, you know, whether it was an adult coming up to give her a phone to take a picture or a kid coming up and was kind of scared. She was like comforting them or she would happily take a picture for somebody. Um, she just did such an amazing job making it seem real, which I think is the whole point of this. And um, I actually got the, the, the pleasure of complimenting her on that, which was really awesome to kind of see her feedback. And I, I think once again, she seems like one of those people that's there because she loves this and she's so excited for it. Yeah, she was very excited and she's the perfect person to sell this um, show. I, I, I can't wait to see her performance and what she does. We didn't get a good sense of the other actors and stuff yet, but um, Madison was was amazing to, to talk with. To, we did a little interview with her um, and I, I yeah, there, there are plans to like talk with her further in the future. So we'll try to make that happen. And yeah, I'm, I'm just excited overall because that meet and greet was very cool. And we talked a little bit about uh, Jeannie before and, and seeing her in person, she was fantastic and, and kind of comical at times. Like one of the moments I loved was somebody was taking a picture with her and I, this didn't happen every time, but Jeannie just kind of stared straight into the camera opened up her mouth very wide and just did like, it was like a smile, but like a, Hey, like I'm here. It was, it cracked me up the the, the reaction that, that, that dinosaur gave. I loved it. It was amazing. Um, and also blue was, was incredible looking. Um, we were talking, yeah, we were talking a lot about the comparisons between blue here and blue at, uh, universal Orlando and, um, out in Cal, uh, yeah, in California as well. Um, and we did some like photo comparisons and stuff like that. They are slightly different here and there. The coloring's a little bit different. Um, and the one down in Florida uh, right now, you know, it has a like a kind of like a baggy neck and stuff like that. And it's it's not like a, it's not really a full completed kind of suit thing, even though it's it's kind of behind some trees and stuff like that. But this one was like full legit. It was in your face right there. You need to see every aspect of this thing. And I think it looked really good. I think it looked amazing, and it was just. It's really believable and those eyes you know blue has very distinct like distinct like crimson mm-hmm. kind of amber looking eyes and it looks so good and i just think also like the the blue here in the presentation um in the meet and greet kind of had a little more of like a rounded face 
and it kind of made her look a little more like a puppy, um, like a little <laughs> friendlier, almost like baby blue that we see in Fallen Kingdom, which was a good thing in my opinion because it made her look like less menacing, less scary, you know, good for kids, I think. Yeah. And also, Jeannie is very like, <laughs> um, the easiest way I guess to say it is kind of she's a bit derpy. She's not 100% there yet. And I <laughs> love that. It, it's like yeah. she's, me and Brad were talking about it. She kind of looks like the model of a compi just scaled up like 50 times. Yeah. Um, so it kind of looks like a giant oversized compi. And it's really awesome. I love her. I think it's she's a character that the more you see of her, I think the easier it'll be to fall in love with her. Yeah. And another point about about Jeannie is that she's very much a wild animal. She's not a pet that they wanted to make that very clear that she is not a pet despite what is going on behind the scenes with the emotions and the dino decoder and all that stuff. Um, so she's not a pet. I know a lot of people like to think that about blue, that it's, she's essentially like, you know, Owen's little pet there, but that's not really the case. These things are still vicious dinosaurs. They're wild animals. So expect that to play into the story a little bit, I think. Um, but yeah, and, and blue, I think, you know, in person, blue felt a little oversized. I can't really speak to uh, the Trodon because we never really had a, a representation of that. Um, but blue, it was oversized. But I think that's natural with something like this because of the suit and all that. Because it has to be bigger. And also, in a stage setting, you probably want to project that dinosaur a little bit more than than it would if it was a little bit smaller. So it definitely felt big and bulky, but it still represented blue very, very, very well. It's just uh, you know, blue got a little thick. She's she's getting ready. She's going out to the, you know, it's it's winter time. She's a little cold. She's got to blubber up a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, I think um, I think that really covers everything. I, I know we uh, ended up going a little bit longer than expected here. Of course, this is just the Jurassic Park podcast. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. We we have a habit of doing that. But um, that's a lot of great detail and, and information there. So uh, I hope everybody's very excited about this show. I know we are. Um, do you have any final thoughts here before we uh, kick off? Yeah, there was one thing that I have to add because I think it was such a cool moment. Um, there was at one point in the show where they actually let us climb into the gyrosphere. Oh, and yeah. they had explained to us that the gyrosphere that they had made was like a one-for-one -one replica from the one in the movie. And it was actually like a working gyrosphere. Not the exact way that it works in the movie, but they let me and Brad and a bunch of the other people that were there, like we were able to climb in and take cool pictures inside and kind of see it, which is not something they let everybody else do because it was also a Jeep on display that they let a lot, a lot of other people go into. So I was just really grateful for that opportunity. It was so awesome to be able to climb in there and kind of sit inside. Yeah, man, that was a dream. Getting to sit in there, oh, that was amazing. And we did the, like the, you know, gyrosphere over the cliff kind of picture. It was fantastic. <laughs> like, oh man, that was amazing. And it was super highly detailed. It looks like perfectly screen accurate um aside from the bottom where it has you know you can tell there's like a base so it can it can drive a little bit and of course it doesn't spin or anything but like the the way that it like it sounded like pressure released it was like psh, and like the door popped yeah, out and the it door was, opened <laughs> yeah it didn't like slide up like the door does in a movie but it still popped out it was so cool so realistic and it felt legit it was amazing it was also very comfortable, surprisingly. Yeah, yeah it was. <laughs> Could have sat in there all day. I was like, I just want to drive this thing home. See you guys. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, yeah, I'll add um, that we also did get to speak with uh, Juliet Feld, who, you know, is basically um, in charge of this. You know, it's her family legacy, Feld Entertainment. Um, and she was 
she was very awesome. She really was insightful uh, for the show and and the like I said, the legacy of Jurassic and the legacy of her company. And um, it was awesome to speak with her and just kind of get a good insight into what they did to develop this show and and the the lengths they they took to um, make sure that this was accurate. Yeah, but she was a really awesome person to speak to, and I enjoyed I enjoyed kind of having a few conversations with her about. Uh, you know her love for Jurassic Park and um, where she fits in this series. It was it was great. You could tell the whole team behind this thing has so much passion for it. Yeah, and and even at the top, you know, like you said, they are fans of Jurassic, and you know, we ask for the original, you know, Jurassic Park story that you can give us, and they they knocked it out of the park. And she specifically had a great answer. So if you want to check that out, we'll be playing the audio at some point, and you'll see it on online as well. So uh, it's it's all it's amazing stuff. So that's it. That's that's the whole thing. So thank you guys so much uh, for checking this out. And uh, Tal, where can everybody find you online? You guys can find me on uh, Twitter at the Traveling Clat, or actually at Traveling Clat without a the. Um, <laughs> but anywhere on the internet, if you just look up the Traveling Clat, you'll be able to find me. Um, that's that's kind of my name. Yeah, man, you've got some amazing videos, and I love watching them, and it's so fun, and you're so natural behind the camera, so uh, I, yeah, I love everything that you got going on. So everybody, make sure to do, uh, subscribe, check it out, it's great content. Thank you so much, my dude, and thanks, thanks for inviting me out to this thing, it was really an incredible experience. Yeah, man, no problem, it was, you're out there in New York, I'm like, you, you're good with the camera, and you love this stuff, so let's go do it, Let's let's hit it up. Your safety is our main concern, which is why you're behind our invisible barrier system, which protects you from things like Dilophosaurus venom. Thank you guys so much for bearing with us and, uh, you know, listening to everything that we have um, in this bonus episode. I know two episodes is is a lot for you guys, um, but uh, I hope you enjoyed every minute of it. Jurassic World Live Tour is really shaping up to be something incredible, and I'm happy Tal got the chance to go out there with me and take a look at everything that they've got going on. Um, Feld Entertainment, like I said, is an amazing company, and I cannot wait to work with them more in the future and showcase everything that they've got going on over there. Um, But definitely go search for The Traveling Clat over on YouTube. You can actually find all of his links there on YouTube as well. Um, Make sure to follow him on all his social medias. I know um, as of this recording, he is getting very close. I don't know if he's he's crossed the threshold or not, but he's very close to hitting 100,000 subscribers over on YouTube. So he's a big deal over there. So make sure to go follow him and uh, see what's going on on his YouTube channel. He's been traveling the world for years now, and uh, he takes a few spare minutes to talk about Jurassic Park all the time here. So we really appreciate him coming on the show and uh, supporting us and supporting everything Jurassic out there. Also, make sure to go follow our YouTube page. So search for the Jurassic Park podcast. You can also find the links in our show notes and on our website as well. So make sure to go check it out. Um, Follow us over on Twitter at Jurassic Park Pod, over on Instagram at Jurassic Park Podcast. And the same thing over on Facebook. And we also do have a Facebook group. So make sure to go join up our Facebook group, which is a it's a private group of listeners and stuff. So make sure to go follow along with everything that we've got going on over there. Just subscribe to it or, or whatever it is. Request to be a part of it. Um, I don't know how that stuff works. I'm just a part of it myself. <laughs> Who knows? But um, make sure to go do that. And thank you guys so, so much for listening to this bonus episode. And we are so happy to be back. Uh, talking about Jurassic Park and enjoy. <laughs>